in the beginning. I'm good, I'm good. All righty, all righty. People that ask me, hey, man, what do you got on there, Pascal? What is going on? Well, hey, man, I believe it's going to be funerals and weddings today. Some of us going to die to our old selves, man, and we're going to be transformed, and we're going to be married to Jesus this morning. So can we do some, can I do some weddings and funerals this morning? Is that good? All right. If not anything else, I think I'm pretty sharp there now, you know. If y'all see any dust, though, you know what I mean, help me out, because this thing was back there in the closet now, so. It don't get out often, so. But uh, don't let this distract you or whatnot. I'm uh, Kevin Dupree. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church and uh, love doing what I do here. And the youth know, hey, man, Pastor Kevin's all about that work. So, hey, if I got any youth in the building, y'all going to say it back to me. Oh, yo. We got a few of them in the building. All right, that'll work. Thank you all so much for joining in on y'all pastor's craziness. Thank you all so much. Love these babies, man. Love doing youth work. Um, Speaking of youth stuff, hey, we have an event that we do every year called Big Chill. This is our winter retreat where we take the students away for a weekend, Friday uh, till Sunday afternoon. And hey, this opportunity here, I'm telling you, it's life change every year for each and every one of our students, man. The connection that they're able to build and the way they're able to unplug and be able to really tune in and plug into God himself. And so it's something about this weekend that's different than what they do here in the building. In the building it may seem like it's, hey, they go along with the flow, but when they're away from here and they offer them phones, them electronics, you know what I mean? We disconnect them from the world and we get them plugged into Jesus Christ. It's something that God does in and through their hearts and minds there. So if you got a student, 6 through 12, we would love to have them join us. And I'm, we're putting it out there. You know what I mean, super early, put it in front of you because we've actually, there's another church in Ohio who's heard about what we've been doing. And they, they came with us last year and they want to come with us again this year. So with more people, that means spaces and spots are limited. So we want to make sure that we fill that place up with our bodies, um, but also making sure that we are leaving room for them as well too. So do not delay on getting registered. Students, bug your parents, tell them you're going to do all the chores in the house from now until New Year's. For them to be able to pay for you to go and get that thing done there. So that's the first thing. But the second thing I want to talk about is what we got going on for the youth called Stride 78. That's our 7th and 8th grade ministry downstairs. And I cannot stress enough, we've put a lot of time and thought in getting curriculum and things set up for this program because we believe that there are bridges and stages in kids' life that they have to go through, and it's got to be intentional. And so with this, this is not something that we're just trying to use as a filler. One, we're trying to make sure that you guys are equipped and that you're paying attention within church yourself because I know some of y'all, I see y'all cutting them eyes over at your seventh and eighth. You're like, keep playing. Keep, keep it up. I'm going to flick your ear. You better stop playing. So we want, that's one, to get you in tune here, but also, hey, man, to get them down there so that they can grow in their faith in a way that we've already studied the curriculum and things like that so that they can learn and grow at a pace that they're at right now. Some of the stuff we may talk about, it may go over their head. And so we got great opportunities downstairs. Element 456 and Stride 78, our programs, Get Your Kids Plugged In With That. I know you want to stay by your hip, but no, get them downstairs. Amen. 
Amen. All righty. That works. So then the last thing, I don't know about y'all, but it's, it's glowing in here this Sunday. I think we got some ladies back in the building. Can we give our lady round for our ladies right here? Coming from the women's retreat. Y'all got to glow to y'all or something like that. I don't know what happened up there, but, man, we, you're glowing. And, hey, we want to thank you guys for taking that time to get away and we survived. Any fathers in the house who was there on their by themselves at that time? We did good, fellas. We did good. You know, I didn't see no kids coming here with ponytails here and there and looking like static had hit them, mixed max shoes and stuff. We were good, fellas. We did good. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, but I think we've got to get into some word today. Can I do that for us today? So we're going to continue on in our series. And I'm, I'm studying. I'm doing chapter 7 today. But like we say every Sunday, I cannot stress it enough. We cannot cover everything in a, in, a short service, in a short service here. You have to be making sure you're diving off and getting this context before we even put it in front of you so that you don't miss anything. So I'm going to be giving you some homework today because I'm going to read the first five verses and really expound on that, that, that part there. But then I want you to go search the scriptures. I got discipled by a man who he never gave me, he never gave us chapter and, and verses he always got us excited about it by just vaguely saying it. And then we had to go search the scriptures ourselves and get the meat out ourselves. And that's what excited about me. That's what excited me about going to the scriptures. And I want to do the same for you. So I want to get you excited about this chapter 7 there. And then I want you to go do your homework and search. Hey, man, where, some of the stuff that he was saying, that's where that shows up at. So can I trust you all to do that? Can we do that? All right, I'm going to grade you all in 9 o'clock service and see who gets the best there. So open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles, chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, you got Bibles underneath your seat there if you don't have one. I'm going to be reading out of NLT, so it'll be a little bit different. Um, so that's that there for translation-wise. But I want to give you all the title of my message as you stand to your feet for the reading of the Word. Uh, and the title of my message this morning is, Get on the Boat. Get on the Boat. Get on the Gen A. Gen A, any, any, any Forrest Gump folks in here, Forrest Gumps? All right, let me see where y'all at. Life is like a, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, I mean, you don't necessarily got to be a fan to know that. You probably heard that in the grocery store. Somebody said it sounded cute. That came out with Forrest Gump right there. So get on the boat, title of the message today. So let us pick up reading. Chapter 7, verse 1. When everything was ready. I want to read that again, and I want y'all to say the ready part with me when I say it. When everything was ready, yeah, 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 the Lord said to Noah. So I want to pause there. So that means that God knows when things are ready. You and I may not know when things are ready, but God knows when they're ready. So I know who that needs to encourage this morning right out of the gate. You've been wanting God to be on your time, but God says, I know when things are ready. All right, I'm preaching before I got to preach now. Let's keep it going. Go into the boat or get on the boat with all your family. From among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and sacrifice. And take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be, there must be, there must be a male and a female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. I got to pause again because God convicted me in my, 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 my studies there. So, God, you mean I can't experiment with my gender? God, you mean my gender has a purpose? 
okay, to produce life and keep going and whatnot. God said it. I didn't. I just have to give you all that because he says it almost 15 times in one chapter to male and female pairs to enter onto the boat. Because I got a purpose for your gender there. And it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. God, you're a good God. We thank you, God, that you've gone before us, God. That you've tilled the soils of our hearts. And now, God, I pray that the seeds that are cast fall on good soil. And they produce a 30, 60, 90, even a hundredfold blessing in our lives. And it's to you we give the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. All righty. It's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. If I rip this jacket, you know what I mean? I don't got too many more of them. So I bet I get too excited up here. Y'all watch out for me. If I get any tears, y'all tell me. So looking at this text. I have to start off by sharing something that Doug started off with last week with this, with this idea of familiarity breeds complacency. Familiarity breeds complacency. And I have to admit that some of this happened as I started journeying through this passage of Scripture here because it's so familiar to me. I know the Noah story. You know the Noah story. You know. So the familiarity kicked in right away, and it made me want to start speeding past because my mind went straight to this outline right here. See, we all know this. Hey, Noah builds the boat. Noah and his family and the animals get on the boat. Two by two. Remember, male and female. We remember that. Two by two. You go on the boat. Okay, yeah, we know that. The flood comes. They sing songs. Oh, wait a minute. That's the VeggieTales version. Okay, I'm sorry. That's VeggieTales. Okay. But then it says the flood's in, and then we think life goes on. That's what our mind goes to. We want to speed past this, this passage because we already know the story of Noah. But God had to make me pump my brakes in my studies, and that's what I want to do for us. I want to slow us down and put a magnifying glass in our hands so that we can zoom in on two parts of this text or this story that we always so often just speed past when we're reading it. And those two parts I want us to look at today is the flood and the boat. I want us to look at the flood and the boat because I believe that God has some freshness he wants to bestow upon us as we read this today and as we slow down. And I want to start with the flood by looking at Jesus' reference to the flood in the New Testament. So let's look at what Jesus says in Luke 17, verse 26 through 27. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings. Check this out. Right up to the time Noah entered the boat. Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed all of them. So Jesus is trying to tell them everybody was just going through doing their thing on earth all the way up until time. All the way up until the time. It's like some of us. Hey, we going through all our lives right now. Shopping at Target, going to Starbucks, eating that Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Wearing our Lions jerseys because the Lions are doing good this year. Oh, yeah. You can tell all the Lions fans right now. Let them be on a losing season. Oh, they all, you can't, man, you Lions fan? Where we at, Lions or not? going on about our lives. And for these people here, it could almost seem like this flood happened out of nowhere. But see, God had to show me something different in my studies. 
And it leads me to my, big, my first big idea today is that floods don't just appear in our lives, they accumulate. Floods just don't appear in our lives, they accumulate. Pastor Kevin, what you mean? So where our marriages are today, whether good or bad, didn't just accumulate. I mean, didn't just appear, it uh, accumulated. Where we are with our children relationally didn't just happen, it accumulated. Where we are in our finances, where we are mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, it didn't just happen, it accumulated. Where some of us are as students in our school and grade-wise, it didn't just happen. I know some of y'all just say, show your report card, I just got a D, mama, I just got an F. No, it didn't just happen. That D or F didn't just appear. It accumulated. And the reason I want us to get this revelation here is because if we don't understand this, then it will cause us to miss when God's voice is speaking to us or when he's trying to show us signs to pivot and move so that we can get on the boat or stay on the boat. We will say, oh, it just happened when things show up in our lives. But God is saying, no, I need them to understand that floods just don't happen or don't just appear, they accumulate. And see, the Bible says that the flood in this chapter here says that the blood, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the flood accumulated over 40 days and 40 nights. And figuratively speaking, when the floods accumulate in our lives, they can either be, they can either bring God's favor or they can be fatal. Which is what I want us to land in today. They can either be show God's favor on our life or they can, be fa- uh, they can be fatal. And I want us to look at right here the first part about the favor of God in the flood. The favor. Let's look at the favor part there. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were yet sinners. While we were still sinners. See, this passage of scripture helped me understand that, hey, man, my, the favor of God on my life didn't just appear when I gave my life to Christ in that church service that day. It didn't just appear. See, God's favor on my life was accumulating when I was an adolescent and I was stealing and I was gangbanging. I was uh, thugging out, they could say. When I was doing all that, God's favor was accumulating on my life. Hey, when I was out there partying, drinking, smoking, doing, doing people wrong and everything like that, hey, man, God's favor was accumulating on my life. When I wanted to take my life, God's, God's favor was accumulating on my life. I wonder how many of us today can look back over our lives and start praising God because, God, your favor was accumulating on my life. When I wanted to take my life, when I wanted to leave my life, when I was, when I was, when I was dead and gone, mentally, physically, emotionally, God, your favor on my life kept my life. And so in December of 2013, when I said yes to Jesus in the church service, God's favor hadn't just appeared in my life. It was already accumulating. And furthermore, that point, look at Psalm 71, 6 through 8. It says, yes, you have been with me from birth. God, when have you been with me? Since birth. From your mother's womb, you have cared for me. And this is the part that kind of that helped me understand. It says, no wonder why I'm always praising you. Anybody got some people in their in in life that they just, you wonder why they can't stop praising? I used to have a grandma. She walking through the store wanting to praise God and sing them songs with that basket and slow roll. Just singing songs, praising God. I know now, right now, because she had a truth, a revelation of that. God, you've been with me since my womb. 
Since my mother's womb, you've been with me, God. So I'm going to praise you. No wonder why I'm always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and my protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. That's why when they pull up to you at that red light and you up there shucking and jiving and dancing and whatnot, and they say, what is going on with that? I can't stop praising them even when I'm driving. I'm going to wreck this thing. But God, I got to praise you, Lord. Because you've been with me. I declare your glory all day long. See, and as I was in my studies, God wanted me to encourage a, a segment of our body. And it was, uh, he wanted me to encourage our old faithfuls. Y'all know what them old faithfuls is. Them old faithfuls, y'all been with Jesus before Barry Sanders was with the Lions. You know what I mean? Barry Sanders was with the Lions. So y'all old faithful, y'all know who y'all are. Y'all been walking with God for a little bit of time. And God wanted me to encourage you this morning, specifically in my study. So I want to read what he was kind of giving me in my studies for you particularly. Uh, he said, uh, your faithfulness is about to break some levees that you've been frustrated about. God says he's about to flood your life with his favor. He says your faithfulness in getting on the boat and staying on the boat through the storms, through the loneliness, through the weeping, through the divorce, through the death, through the sadness, through the brokenness, through the suicidal thoughts, through the anger, through the pain, through the hurt, through the rejection, through the letdowns, through the financial burdens. He says, hey, man, through all of that, you remain faithful. And he said your faithfulness in his favor has accumulated in his breakthrough season. So I don't know who this is for. You may not want to shout if this ain't for you, but if this is for you, I want you to say it's breakthrough season. I want you to say it like it's your season. Say it's breakthrough season. It's breakthrough season. God, I know it wasn't going to be for everybody. Your old faithfuls know who they are. But God wanted me to just give you that quick encouragement about it's a breakthrough season for somebody. It's been some frustration. You've been growing weary. Where is your favor, God? And he said, I'm about to flood your life with it. But now I had to pump God's brakes a little bit. I know that seems like, how you pump God's brakes? Because I got to I know y'all folks. I know these people down here. So I had to say, God, I got to give some balance to them. Because I don't want y'all leaving away from here, going down there and saying, it's my breakthrough season. So I need you to fix my car. I don't give God, I need you to do this for me because I need to, it's my breakthrough season. I don't go force nobody to give you a breakthrough. <laughs> because, see, when we look at this passage of scripture here and we look at this text right here, we cannot start gauging God's presence in our life by whether his favor fixes our problems or not. I don't want you to leave here thinking that, oh, his presence in my life, but then, oh, I'm still in this problem. Then his favor, not. no, I don't want you to leave here like that because our problems being fixed shouldn't be our focus. Let's look at what Psalm 69.9 says. This blessed my soul when he put it in there, when he uh, showed me this this year. Passion for your house has consumed me. Not fixing up my problems, passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. So going off this passage of scripture right here, our problems shouldn't be our first priority. Passion for his presence should be our first priority. And dare I say, as a matter of fact, problems might surface when you do have a passion for his presence. Because this says, the insults fall upon me, not the applause. Let's even see what Jesus says about this. Matthew chapter 10 and 22. Jesus says, and you will be hated. Boy, hate is a strong word, ain't it? But Jesus is telling you, you're going to be hated. Look, by who? By all. Wait a minute, God, by all? You're talking about just the people outside the church? No, I said by all. So you're going to be hated by some of your own brothers and sisters. Ooh. That, that hurt, huh? Because sometimes Christians can make being Christian hard, can't we? Yeah. We make it hard for ourselves within the building. No wonder why nobody wants to follow. Because y'all tripping with each other. Y'all hating each other. 
But Jesus said, by all. But then he said, for why? For why? For my name's sake. So if you're following Jesus the way you're supposed to, for your name, for his name's sake, you're going to have problems. Jesus, what do you mean? I, my proximity to you is going to cause me problems? Yes. Jesus, you saying I can still have favor but still got to fight? Yes. See, that's why we have to desire an intimate relationship with God more than we desire the rewards of God. I'm going to say that again. That's why we have to desire an intimate relationship with God more than we desire the, re- the rewards of God. See, I know what I'm about to say is radical here, but how I'm dressed today is radical for me. I don't know what I was going to do. So we just radical all around this morning. See, we got to get to a place where we desire such an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that we begin to say, Jesus, let your problems become my problems. I know that hurts, though. Jesus, let your beef be my beef. God, where I hate is at today. G-Dog, where we at? J-Dog, where we at today? Where we at in these streets right now, God? Where we at? We got to get to the point where if my problems ain't fixed, I'll still go fight for you, God. I'll still lay it all down for the kingdom. We got to get to a place where it ain't about my problems being fixed. It's about my proximity to you. And if we got to fight today, we got to fight. Can you still be available for the kingdom in the midst of your problems? Can you still pick up the phone and call that person or pray for that person in the midst of you knowing they don't like you? In the midst of knowing you going back and forth with them. Can you be available for the kingdom if your problems ain't fixed? I don't know if they like that one, God. <laughs> because, see, if we read here in this text, we know Noah. Noah's building this boat. And I bet you people were probably insulting him. But guess what? He didn't stop building the boat. He said, God, you got beef with this world? Then I got beef too with the world. I'm going to keep building this boat. In the midst of them laughing, in the midst of them criticizing me, in the midst of them insulting me, in the midst of them taking my pieces of board, costing me more money, in the midst of them spray painting Mr. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, the crazy man on the side of my boat. Hey, I'm going to fight for what you fight for, God. And that's what we see here. See, Noah must have had Matthew 6.33 planted in his heart where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he knew if I do those things, then everything I need will be given unto me. See, we got to let God's fixing favor be a byproduct of our intimacy and proximity to him. Bars. What? So that's the... favor side of it. Well, let's get to the fatal side of it. Because see, this keeps us in balance. God has favor that he wants to place on our life. But then let's look at this fatal part. Because this story ain't about all this favor. That's, people are getting ready to be destroyed. This, this, this flood has been ordained to take life, to be destructive. And whether you can conceive it and believe it or not, We serve a God that has favor and he has wrath. I know we don't like to talk about that in church because we we, New Testament Christians, so we, his favor, grace, and love. But hey man, we got a God that is both an abundance of love but also has a wrath. And Pastor Doug told us last week, the only reason why we don't have to experience it is because it's been placed on Jesus Christ. And if you stay within Jesus Christ, you don't have to experience that wrath. But outside of him, you will experience that wrath. It's only being concealed like we read in Revelation. 
So when we look at this dilemma, how can this be fatal here? And I know some of us, we, we like to think all, a life is all sweet and that we can just live this Christian life and just say, hey, I slapped this, the Christian label on there. But, hey, man, I'm telling you right now, this is not you're playing games with God. And he knows it. See, one interesting thing I thought as I was studying this thing, when I slowed down and I restrained my familiarity and I allowed it, this, this text to speak to me, it dawned on me. God said that everything living on dry land had to die. So what does that mean? The fish has got to chill and hang around. <laughs> I mean, can y'all imagine these fish as the water rising and rising, the boat rising and rising, and it's starting to flow, and they, people are dying, let the, dry, the people on the life on dry land is dying and dying. These fishes are rising and rising. I can see Fred the fish talking about, I always wanted to climb Mount Everest. He looked like, hey, look, my, I made it. He at the top of the mountain looking out. Look, look that thing got 15 feet over the, over the mountains. And these fish are observing the mountains while people are dying. See, I think it's crazy how God's wrath can be or judgment can be falling on one group while another group is swimming along. And that brought me to this idea. I wonder how many of us today are thinking that we dory off of Nemo. I wonder how many of us just going through life. We laugh, but I think some of us, we go through life thinking, all I got to do is I can swim in that world. All I got to do is just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. I keep living in that sin. All I got to do is just keep swimming. Oh, that God ain't no God of wrath. I mean, he's God of love. I keep swimming. Hey, they doing it. Why, why can they get away with it? They over there sinning. They, and they, they seem like they got a great life over there. All I got to do is just keep swimming. But can I tell you right now? No. You ain't Dory, and you're messing around with fishy business, and you ain't a fish. So I got to encourage you today, because if God is calling you to a place where he's telling you to stand on the boat, and you're swimming in waters of destruction, I'm telling you right now, you will, keep, you will start off singing, just keep swimming, but that tune's going to switch to, I am drowning, I am drowning, I am drowning, help me please. Because, see, we are trying to swim in waters that God is saying, I need you to stand on the boat. This ain't water that you want to play around with. Some of you are swimming in fishy business, and it ain't for you. See, I want you to, I don't know if you're going to be able to write all of this, so you may want to take a picture. Because if you can get the heart of this, this is why I feel like the heart of this message was when I was studying it. I say, God, that's what you want them to know. That. So you probably want to take a picture of this or whatnot. God will always try to flood our lives internally. Through the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus talked about, the living water. You come to me, you'll never thirst again. I'll give you living waters. Hey, man, I'll give you the Spirit. He'll always try to flood our lives internally through the Holy Spirit, through our, through our convictions or through our conscience. That's why some people say, well, I'm not with that Jesus stuff. I don't follow that. Church. No, no, no. You got a conscience, though. So Romans 1 tell us whether you want, whether you want to rock out with the Jesus crew or not. Hey, you got a conscience. So he said, I'm flooding your life through him. If you're a believer, he's flooding your life through the Spirit. But he'll always try to flood your life internally before you experience destruction externally in the world. So there's no excuse. Don't say, well, I'm here now. I, I wish somebody would have warned me, man. Why did God let me go through this? No, you remember them times when he was convicting you and you started silencing his voice? Go read Romans 1. You shut off his voice. No, no, no. That flood didn't just appear in your life. It accumulated. 
So now let's zoom in on this boat. Let's zoom in on the boat because this boat is massive, y'all. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know, this is a big boat. They, they constructed a, a, a reconstruct of this Noah's boat over in Kentucky. It's called the, the Ark Experience. I can't wait to me and my family go check this thing out. I got to go see this thing. This boat is massive, y'all. And me being a numbers guy, the nerd man I am, I had to go calculate this. How much square footage is this boat? So I went back to chapter 6, and I started calculating, like, hey, man, how much square footage this is. Hey, man, this boat is over 100,000 square feet. This boat was almost three acres in size. Then I had to get off uh, where I was at because I was seeing homes and mansions outside. I said, God, I don't want to cover this thing. No, God, I don't want that. That's a nice countertop right there. Oh, my goodness, that chandelier right there. But these are some big houses. This is some big land. And God had to build a, a boat like that. And I got back to my city. I said, okay, God, okay, we in here. Why did you make this man build this boat so big? I said, God, man, it took this man over 100 years to build this boat. I said, God, what are you doing, God? I mean, granted, they had 100 years to spare back then. You know, they were 700, 800 years old, you know. Them being 100 years to them is like 10 years for us. So, I mean, why is this boat so big. And I know what some of us say, oh, Pastor Kevin, that sort of animals and stuff can move around. You know, that giraffe, hippopotamus, they, they big animals. They got to move around and stuff, rhinoceros and stuff. I get it. But I know God's character. And so if you don't mind, I would like to share what I think my opinion is. Not that it means a whole lot. But I, can I share my opinion with y'all this morning about why I think the boat was so big? I think the boat was so big, maybe, just maybe. Because God had hope for more. God himself knew, I can squeeze all of them in there, ain't no problem. I can have, I can fit more in this boat. Maybe, just maybe, God thought that Noah's neighbors, you know, Ned and Nadine, Nate and Nancy the second, Nate the second, you know, I think, and Norbit. Maybe he thought all of them was going to get on the boat. They got to spend time with Noah all the time. So maybe, 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 just maybe, he thought that the store that Noah was going to over 100 years, for over 100 years buying supplies from, maybe, just maybe he thought that somebody in there, in Norman's knacks and nails, he thought, hey, man, somebody would come to Jesus. Hey, Noah, why you keep buying all these supplies and whatnot? Hey, man, it's going to be a flood. My God told me it's going to be a flood, man. He would he'd destroy everything, man. And he told me and my family, we got to get on this boat, man. Maybe, just maybe, God thought that somebody would have grabbed hold of that testimony and say, okay, no, I want a part of that. That's why I believe God says, I want this boat to be so big. Is it too far-fetched for me to believe that? Is that outside of God's character? No. Why? Because we got Jesus. My God says that I wish that none would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I got to believe in my heart of hearts that this boat is big and these animals, yeah, they're big. But God could have made move, made, made room and maneuvered things to get more on the boat. Then I got to thinking also, what if this boat being so massive was actually a representation or a foreshadowing for us of Jesus Christ and just how massive God's love is for each and every one of us? 
What if God was trying to show us in this, in this passage that I got big love for you? Let's see what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 18 says. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down in his love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, all your people should know what? How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. See, church, God's, the measurements of God's love, the width, the height, the depth, the length, is so massive, and it's all contained in Jesus Christ. This is what makes Jesus so important in our walk. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't know, see, because I had to get real in my studies, and I'm getting ready to land this plane, but I got to share this with you because in my studies, God had to make this thing real for me because this ain't no joke. This is people's lives here. When I'm dealing with here, we're dealing with lives. And this is why every time I get up here, you're going to get the passion. You're going to get the press of it is because I want to I make sure whenever somebody gets up here and preach, hey, man, we don't preach just to, for, the, for the shows and the glitz. Man, we preach it for souls. And so I want to share this with you in my studies as I was going through it. I, I said, imagine this flood accumulating and the boat being picked up and it's going. And at some point in time, the people realized that, hey, this man wasn't crazy. This man wasn't out of his mind. And they swimming. They see the boat. And they coming alongside the boat, y'all. And they scratching and gnawing and beating on the door. Let me in. Let me in. But then in my text, I read what you going to I'm giving you a head start on your homework. When you go and read your text today, you're going to see that the Bible says that God shut the door. God shut him in. And we know what the Bible says about that. Any door that God shuts, no man can open up. So let me tell you, hold your applause because I'm telling you, this is, I, I got to drive it home for you. Because if that's the case, then let's put ourselves in Noah's shoes. Noah's on the other side of this door, hearing his people scream and shout. At some point in time, Noah's not God. He's a man. And if anything like we are human, you got a little compassion in your heart. Yeah, I know they did that or whatnot. Some of y'all dealing with this right now with a child or something like that. I know they did wrong. Man, but I got to, hey, what if Noah wanted to open that door? At some point in time, I could just see Noah trying to kick that door open. But he can't. All Noah can do was watch and weep from an 18-inch window that was around the top of the boat. This boat is four stories high. And all he could do is watch from around the top and weep as he watched his people die. Get how serious this is? We speed past this story. But do you understand the magnitude of this? This is a Bible story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cute. Hey, man, it's given to us for some reason to help us understand, hey, the reality for them can also happen to us. But thank God I 
can encourage you with something else today. Because the door to salvation is still open. Because Jesus Christ came, died, was buried, and rose again for our be- on our behalf. So the door may be shut. You may think it may be shut. But Jesus busts the door open and it's wide open for every one of us to enter in. You don't have to get, uh, uh, end up drowning in these waters of the world. Jesus is making a way for each and every one of us to enter into the boat. Because he understands. My father's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And my father still has a wrath. It didn't drown in the flood. And it didn't, it didn't disappear on the resurrection. It's just being concealed until the time. till he's ready. And anybody who isn't on the boat will experience his wrath. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. I, I got to be real with you because I love you. Some of us, we don't like that. We don't like getting truth. We call it hate speech. All because I love you enough to tell you the truth. Some of you playing around are swimming in fishy business and you're not a fish. And your brother this morning is saying, get on the boat. But Pastor, Pastor Kevin, I need this relationship. I got to get this business job. Shut your mouth. Get on the boat. Trust me. Pastor Kevin, I got to grab hold of it. No, no, no. Get on the boat, please. Because also, this passage of scripture, was, this chapter was, like Doug told us, this was being given to the Israelites before they were entering into the promised land. Why? Because God wanted to reproduce and produce abundantly in and through their lives. Why, not, why do I need to get on the boat, Pastor Kevin, to not have to experience God's wrath, but also so that you can start living life the way he meant it for it to be here and now, so that you can be a bright and shining light, so that he can reproduce and produce in your life. You've been living life less than what he's called you to do because you ain't on the boat. Or if you're on the boat, you're playing around and wanting to get off the boat because you think it's something in the waters for you. Ain't nothing out there for you. Get your eyes and start participating on the boat. God wants greatness for your life. And so, as we wrap up, the worship team is going to come back out just for a little bit. Because I don't want us to leave here today not on the boat. And I want to give us some time to reflect, where am I at? Am I on the boat or am I in the water? If I'm on the boat, how am I on the boat? If I'm in the water... I need you to desperately get on the boat today. I can't stress it enough. So as we sit there, you process. I'm not going to have nobody come down. I ain't going to take my jacket off and hit you with it or nothing like that. I just want you to sit and just reflect on what God has done. Because like I said, Jesus came, died, and rose again to pay the payment. See, you can go on down there to Kentucky and try to get on the boat and say, Jesus paid my admission, but you're going to have some problems down there. But this admission right here into the kingdom of God, into glory, into a forever, into life and life more abundantly, Jesus already paid it all. And all you got to do is step up to the door and it's wide open. He said, enter into it. And so I want to give us some time for us to reflect today on that. Because Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe.
Of here. I'm going to get y'all out of here, but it's another part of that song. If you reflect it there, it's the next part that says, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt, and then he raises life from the dead. And so I believe that some of us are going to be risen from the dead today. Some of us have received Jesus this service right here. And then he says it's time to raise to life because he paid the debt. And so for me and my grace, you folks know, we don't go off on a low note. Hey, man, we go off on a high note. So if you can, I want you to stay with me and celebrate that Jesus paid the debt for your sin. And now he's raising your life from the dead. Amen. He paid it all already. It's done deal. If you gave it to him, it's a done deal today. He raised his life from the dead. So let's do it. for saving us from your wrath through Jesus Christ, Lord. Let us leave encouraged with that today, God, that if we're in Jesus, God, we're on the boat, and we can have life on the boat. We don't have to be worried, scared, or doubt, anxiety on the boat. We just got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and stay on the boat. So, God, I just pray today, God, for a special covering over the people who have given their life to you, God. The enemy going to come. The enemy has been coming. But, God, I pray your supernatural covering over them, God. I pray that they run to you as their refuge and hide in you, God. Ain't no fear in hiding in you. So, God, I thank you for what you've done in our hearts and minds today, Lord. Continue to be with us, Lord. And to you, we give all the glory, the praise, and the honor. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say it. Amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, 
hey, we got a prayer team down here that's looking to pray for you. If you say, man, I've given my life to Christ, I need to know what's the direction. Hey, I got an ailment in my body and whatnot. Whatever you need, hey, man, come down for prayer. God is seeing you. So come down if you need prayer. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday, church.